talking about appearances of God, and the Bible has just a handful of times where God appears. And so we've pulled them out and looked at them. We've looked at three so far. We looked at Moses on Mount Sinai, and God comes down in fire and flame and smoke. And we saw that appearance of God with Moses. We looked at Isaiah as he's in the temple and he sees God's glory filling the temple. And he sees the seraphim that are over top of God's throne. And then we looked at Micaiah's vision last week, which was an unusual one. And uh, we saw all of those visions were triggered by some kind of event. Uh, you remember uh, Isaiah says, in the year that King Isaiah died, and we had this good king who did a bad thing right at the end and died in a couple of years later. And so uh, he, he mentions that event. Uh, and that was one of the things that triggered that event. All right. And then uh, Moses, of course, was there to meet with God, to get the law from God. And that's what triggered that event. And then uh, uh, Micaiah, of course, was King Ahab who got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse until finally uh, God makes an appearance to Micaiah, a prophet, and says, uh, we'll tell him exactly what's going to happen. He's going to die. But he doesn't believe it anyway. <laughs> doesn't matter. So we come now to another vision. And I can say that this one is, uh, is, is just crazy. I don't know how else to say it. The vision of Ezekiel. Alright, so we're in Ezekiel, book of Ezekiel, chapter number one. And we want to look at what has triggered this vision. Why was it given? What was it for? And all visions of God were so that God can give information to humans about who he is. All right. God doesn't just show up to say hi. All right, here I am, hi. God, God has got information for people. Moses comes back with tons of information. Isaiah's given information. Micaiah's told about the end of Ahab. And so, uh, what's the information that's going to come to us with Ezekiel? It's so unusual. It's such a different thing that you almost can't wrap your head around it. And neither can Ezekiel. He can't wrap his head around it either. Because we'll see. But I want to look at what <coughs> happened that triggered this. And this is, you can't imagine this. You can't imagine this. I can't imagine it. I can explain it and do my best to explain it, but I can't imagine it because we live in America and we have a certain way that we live here, our lives. And uh, something like this is just so far beyond our experience that uh, we can't explain it. So Ezekiel chapter 1. <coughs> 
right at the beginning. Now it came to pass in the thirtieth year, in the fourth month, in the fifth day of the month. All right, and it always amazes me that these guys can tell you exactly when it happened. All right, they're not dreaming something, and they don't know that it happened on this day. Thirtieth year, we're not sure what he's talking about. We think it's his age. That's what we think. It's he was thirty years old. As I was among the captives by the river of Kibar, that the heavens were open, and I saw visions of God. It was the fifth day of the month, which was the fifth year of King Jehoiakim's captivity. And the word of the Lord came expressly on to Ezekiel the priest, son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans by the river Kibar, the hand of the Lord was there upon him. And so uh, Ezekiel, there's some facts about him that he gives us here. He says he's a priest. All right? He was a priest. He practiced that priesthood in Jerusalem. All right? That's where all the priests were. Uh, you couldn't practice the priesthood anywhere except for Jerusalem. And so he's born into the family of Levi, which makes him born as a priest. He would be there in the temple, but he's not there when this happens. He's by the river Kibar. Uh, he's by the river, and he says he was among the captives. So, if you can try to picture in your mind, if you had a knock on your door, and you go to the door, and the person at the door says, uh, you're coming with me. You say, well, no, oh, yeah, you're coming with me. Uh, and I'm taking you out of your house, taking you out of the town where you live, and we're just taking you away. Uh, you don't take anything with you. You can't keep your money. You can't keep anything you own. You're coming with me right now, and I'm going to take you to a foreign land, and you're never coming home again. Let's go. You can't imagine that. Can you imagine that? I can't imagine that, all right? Uh, I happen to have had relatives in Norway during World War II. They came, and there's two of them that they took. Uh, one of them, they put in a cave up in the mountains and put bars in a cave and left them there. Fed them every three days, all right? And eventually got out and uh, lived. The other one, we don't know. He's just gone. Nobody ever knew what happened to him. He just was gone. And we're sure that he was murdered somehow and killed, but that's all we know. He just disappeared. And the Nazis came, took him, and uh, my great-grandfather was home when the Nazis came to his house and came in and said, uh, we're looking for guns, and we're going to tear your house, house apart, see if you got a gun. And so they came in, went through his house, tore everything apart, left. All right, he did have a gun hidden under the floorboards in the attic. He took it up in the middle of the night, uh, paddled out in the ocean and threw it in the ocean. He said, I can't have it, they'll kill me. All right. So there has been those kind of situations 
in the time of war that we have seen. But these people were just, they walked in and you're going with me. You're leaving everything. And so here's a priest in the temple. That's a fairly uh, respectable position to have. And he's hauled away. And of course, the guy that does it is King Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, and I'm not going to try to spell all that. Uh, he was, in God's opinion, that's God's opinion. He was one of the smartest rulers that ever ruled anywhere, anytime, any place. And Daniel, when you get the book of Daniel, uh, Daniel interprets a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. And Nebuchadnezzar saw a great big, uh, like a, a idol. And the, the head was made of gold and the chest was silver, and the, the waist and the legs uh, were bronze, and then you get down to the feet, and they're uh, clay and iron. And he said, Daniel interpreted the dream, he says, these are the four great kingdoms of the ancient world, and the first one was Nebuchadnezzar, and God considered that a kingdom of gold. Or in other words, Nebuchadnezzar had his act together. All right, the next one uh, was the Persian Empire, and they were silver, not as good as Nebuchadnezzar. And the Greeks were brass, well, each one comes down. And finally, the Roman Empire, which we tend to think was the greatest one, uh, God's opinion uh, wasn't so hot. Uh, they didn't do so well. And they, was, they broke up into ten sections, and that's why the feet on the idol that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed were made of clay and iron, because there's ten kingdoms that uh, fell apart, the Roman Empire fell apart, like your iron toes were hooked on with clay. All right? So that was the weakest government. The best government was Nebuchadnezzar. So Nebuchadnezzar because he's so much superior to our government, you can't even compare it. Uh, he goes to Jerusalem and he says, I'm taking the cream of the crop. I want the very best people. They're going to come with me and they're going to be part of my government. I'm going to train them for three years and take care of them. And they're going to be in my government. So I want the cream of the crop. I want the best you have. And he takes the brightest people of which are Daniel, all right, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are teenagers when he takes them. He takes them and trains them. And so he wants in his government the very smartest people. We got nothing to compare. <laughs> Nobody cares if you're smart. They prefer you not to be anymore. All right? Uh, it just doesn't work that way anymore. But uh, Nebuchadnezzar is very wise, and he wants the best government ever. And in God's opinion, he had it. And so one of the early captives is Ezekiel. And he didn't get chosen because he was a priest. He got chosen because he's probably a pretty bright fella. And we're about to look at a guy uh, that... It's the strangest thing. If you've ever read the book of Ezekiel, you keep scratching your head and scratching your head and thinking, wow, what is this? Nothing like it. But what he's about to see, no one else 
ever saw. But you have to think of what's going on, right? You're living in a world, he comes from Jerusalem. And Jerusalem has had prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and a whole bunch of other ones, uh, Hosea and Joel and Amos, and they've been telling you, unless you clean up your act, uh, they're going to come out of the north, Babylon, and take you captive. And they ignored it, and they ignored it, and they ignored it, and they ignored it. And then Nebuchadnezzar came in, and he says, for the first time, I'll take cream of the crop. That was the first time he came. He would come a second time. Once again, he's looking for the best people. He takes them. He comes the third time, takes more captives. The last time, he had a little uh, temper. <laughs> and so he burned the place to absolutely nothing left. He destroyed it. They tore down the foundations of the building, and they just destroyed it. And so that people, they said, when they drove by where Jerusalem used to be, it was a hissing, is what the Bible said. People were, look, look, there's nothing left. And so the last time he came, he either killed you or he took several thousands captive, too, and they'd go back and have to work in Babylon. And so... Uh, that's who's running the world unstopped and unstoppable. And he comes four times to Jerusalem, takes captives every time. And Ezekiel is one of these. And what do you think? He's in a foreign land. He's lost his home. He's lost his job. He's lost his purpose for living. He's lost everything. He's in some foreign place where you can't even understand the language. Yeah. You've been pulled out of your home never to return again. You're going to be here till you die. All right? And he knows it's because the people of Israel were so rock-headed and so stubborn. And God says they were stiff-necked. In other words, I'm not going to do what God says. It's going to get worse. I'm not going to do. You're about to die. I'm not going to do. There you go. You're gone. And so your life is totally destroyed. You're in a foreign land. And you're there, and you know, Ezekiel knows, it's because people just wouldn't listen to God. And so, what's the condition of the world? <laughs> what a mess. What a mess. And Ezekiel, an early captive taken there by Nebuchadnezzar uh, because he's a talented man. And uh, there he is. He's sitting by the river, Kibar, and there's captives with him. There's a, there's a place that's about 200 miles from where the capital of Babylon was. And they would drop off these people there and force them, basically. They were a workforce, and they were to use their talents and whatever. So he's there, and that's his situation, homeless. In a world 
that's desperately destroyed a priest who can't ever go back to the temple where he was supposed to serve. And he says, I saw God. (laughs) Of all the times, I saw God. And God comes to Ezekiel to show himself to him. Now, we're going to go through and we're going to try to think about this. This is not easy, all right? Um, Here we go, verse 4. I looked, behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud, and a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it. And out of the midst of it, out of the midst thereof, the color of amber, out of the midst of the fire. And so his vision starts with this great big whirlwind. It's coming out of the north, all right, and Babylon was in the north. And you think, well, that's where all the power is. And here comes this uh, uh, whirlwind. And the language is, it looks like fire. It's the color of fire. It is fire, and it is flashing light. That's what he's actually saying. It's flashing light. It's flashing light. And here comes this terrific whirlwind sweeping up everything along the way. Verse 5. Also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. Right? And so as he looks up, and you all know that I'm not an artist. Okay? And so, this is the best I can do. And it's not much, okay? I'm just trying to get a picture of it. There's four creatures, and they, he says they looked human, sort of. <laughs> and uh, he says, it all the way through here, he's going to say, well, it kind of looked like this, had the appearance of fire, it was the color of amber. It was flashing light. And out of this whirlwind it's flashing comes these four creatures. And my first impression, the likeness. And he has to use the word likeness, appearance, because he's never seen anything like it. All right? And if you saw it, you wouldn't know what to call it either. <laughs> you wouldn't even know. And so he says, well, at first impression, they come out of this whirlwind of fire, and there's four creatures come right out of the fire, and they, the first impression that they look human. Now verse 6, everyone had four faces and everyone had four wings. That doesn't sound human to me. Right? You say, well, that's not human. Well, no, but you don't know what it is. You can't explain it, all right? So each one has uh, four faces, okay? And he says each one has four wings. So if you can imagine four wings on these creatures, uh, they got these wings. They come up, those are wings in case you aren't sure. They got wings, and they got four faces, seven, and their feet were straight feet, and the sole of their foot was like sole of a calf's foot. 
and they sparkle like the color of burnished brass or polished brass and shine. They shine, these creatures, and their foot is not like ours where it bends and moves. It's like a, a cow's leg, a calf's leg. It's straight, perfectly straight on the ground. Verse 8, they had hands of a man under their wings on their four sides, and they four had their faces and their wings. Their wings joined one to another, and they turned not when they went. They went every one straight forward. And so the wings, he said, were joined together. Right, so the wings are joined together as they're moving, he says, and they never turn. They never turn. Right, they move. They never turn, he says. I didn't see them turn. Verse 10. As for the likeness of their faces, the forehead, the face of a man, the face of a lion on the right side, and the face of an ox on the left side, and the four also had the face of an eagle. And so they got a human face. They got the face of a man, one of the faces. Another one is the face of a lion. Another one is the face of an ox. And the last one is the face of an eagle. All right, the face of a man would be intelligence. All right, would be intelligent. Face of a lion is courage. Face of an ox stands for strength. Oxen known for strength. And the face of an eagle has two things, really, uh, sight and speed. Eagle was known for both of those things. Uh, I had eagles a lot by my house, and uh, I remember seeing a, uh, there was a strong uh, wind out of the east, and they were flying low to the ground, just zipping along through the field, and then they got to the trees, and they were going to go up over the trees, and when they came up to the woods to go up over the trees, they hit about probably a 50 mile an hour wind, and uh, they were <clears throat> working, trying to fly into that 50 mile an hour wind and they were really working hard and they didn't get real far and finally he said this is stupid I'm going home <laughs> and he flipped upside down and turned around and I counted to three and he was gone over a mile one two three it's gone incredible speed incredible speed I remember another day there was two of them and they came just over my head I was outside and they were flying in circles. And they kept going higher and higher, higher and higher. And pretty soon they looked like little hummingbirds. You got six foot span, okay? Like little hummingbirds going around, around, around. Eventually they were just little dots. They're so high. Just little dots. And eventually they disappeared. And I was talking to somebody about it. And he said, you know, that when they get to a certain point, uh, they're riding currents, and they're riding currents up, 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 up. And then when we get to a certain point, they want to go to Lake Erie, it takes them 10 minutes. All right? They're there. 10 minutes from my house to Lake Erie. Speed, incredible. And of course, they can see. I remember one was down here in the swamp, sitting way up in a tree, and all of a sudden he took off out of the tree and went right in that old nasty swamp water. 
pulled out a great big fish. All right? He could see under the water. And so, uh, what do we got? We got creatures who are intelligent. We got creatures who are courageous, powerfully courageous, who have immense strength and speed and sight is incredible. And so, what God is trying to tell Ezekiel as he's looking at these creatures is these creatures have a quality that you've never seen before and it's, it's they are superior beings it's not like looking at humans okay these are superior beings and let's take a look more verse 11 Thus were their faces and their wings were stretched out were upward. Two wings of every one were joined one to another and two covered their bodies. And they went everyone straight forward. Whither the spirit was to go, they went. And they turned not when they went. As for the likeness of the living creatures, the appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of lamps went up and down among the living creatures. And the fire was bright and out of the fire went forth lightning. And so along in their feet here, uh, around them, there's what looks like coals of fire. And out of them there come lightning strikes as they're moving along. All right. Ever seen anything like that? No. Now, it's going to get crazy. <clears throat> Fifteen. Now as I beheld the living creatures, behold, one wheel upon the earth by the living creatures with his four faces. And the appearance of the wheels and their work was like unto the color of a burl. And the four had one likeness. And their appearance and their work was a wheel in the middle of a wheel. When they went, they went on their four sides and turned not when they went. And as for their rings or wheels, they were so high, they were dreadful. Their rings were full of eyes round about them four. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went by them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Whithersoever the spirit was to go, they went. Whither was their spirit to go? And the wheels were lifted up over against them. And the spirit of the living creature was in the wheel. All right, now you got that in your head? Nobody's got that in their head. Nobody's ever seen that before or since down here on the earth. Nobody's seen it since, all right? So alongside of these creatures are these wheels, great big wheels. And if you were to look at the wheel like this, and then you would, you would see another wheel inside of a wheel. And so there's a wheel, and we're guessing, trying to figure this out. Uh, is this wheel, big huge wheels, and then it says it's full of eyes. That is, it sees everything. The wheel sees. And then there's another wheel this way. So there's a wheel that way, another wheel inside of a wheel going that way. And if they go up, the wheels go with them. They come down, the wheels come down. And the spirit of the creatures is in these wheels as they move. Well, that's got everybody scratching their head. I have books at home. Uh, the Spaceships of Ezekiel. <laughs> people have said 
Well, they were obviously driving spaceships. Well, I don't think there's anything obvious about that at all. Um, it has been noted from the beginning of time that creatures come into our dimension from another dimension. They don't need a spaceship to get here, all right? Uh, and so they cross a dimension line and come into our time-space continuum. And uh, Jesus did it, all right? He's sitting there after the resurrection with the two men from Emmaus, and all of a sudden, whoosh, he's gone. Where did he go? He moved dimensionally into another dimension, disappeared, went to Jerusalem, comes back in because they didn't see him come in the door because he comes in a different dimension and comes in. And so the, that dimension uh, where other creatures live and move, they don't need a spaceship to get there. So what are these wheels? Well, I think number one thing is there's a tremendous speed that these creatures are moving at. All right, now let's take a look here.